Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Well, it's great to have you all here. And uh, we're here for Vision Sunday, of course, which is really, really exciting. And um, at the start of the year, I sent out a text to many of you asking you to, you know, pray and seek God for a word and a scripture uh, over your life this year. And many of you have, have done that. I even got one uh, just yesterday as people are still praying and seeking and getting their words and their scriptures and different things. And uh, the reason that I asked uh, many of you to do that is because I get the privilege of doing that uh, every year uh, for us as a church, for a a word and a scripture that God wants to, uh, you know, I guess speak over us or the direction that He is leading us uh, into as a church. And so you might remember that uh, last year in 2020, the, uh, the, uh, the word or rather the three words uh, that I believe that God gave us was uh, deeper, wider, stronger. And uh, for a while there, it kind of felt like that because of coronavirus, that was kind of not going to happen. But who knows, that which the enemy meant for evil, God can turn around and use for good, hey? And so even not, not in, in spite of uh, coronavirus, we had to kind of go online and, you know, do those different things, which we probably never would have done. And I'm sure that there's people uh, watching right now on the live stream, which is, which is great, and uh, people in the overflow and different things that are, that are happening even today. And so uh, it kind of forced us accidentally to go wider. And so that was, you know, really exciting. And then uh, I've shared before that uh, as well, because of the establishment of all the, the life homes and the different things we had to go to meeting in homes, that again, uh, you know, forced us to go deeper in our relationships, to, to form stronger uh, relationships uh, with one another. And so um, God's plans and purposes cannot be stopped no matter what comes against His Word, no matter what comes against anything that sets itself up against the glory of God, will be brought down in Jesus' name. So while that was our word or our three words for 2020, I think that there was another word that was used globally. It was a word that I'm you know, probably sick of hearing, you're probably sick of hearing, it was a word that was used uh, you know, over the bushfires, it was a word that was used over the uh, the health crisis, and then over the financial crisis, and then even most recently over the um, you know sort of the takeover of the uh, you know American federal government, and uh, the word, of course, was unprecedented. Who here heard the word unprecedented more than once last year? Yeah. And we probably hadn't really heard or used that word much before 2020, but then all of a sudden, everything that happened in 2020 was being labeled as unprecedented. And that word unprecedented, if you, if you hadn't heard of it before, it comes, of course, from the root word precedence, to, to set a precedence for something, which means because nothing like this has happened before, 
it sets the tone, it sets the pace, it sets the direction, the way that things are going to go because it is the first one. And so I was kind of thinking, well, I know that for some people, 2020 was their best year ever. We had people find Jesus for the first time in 2020. We had people baptized in the Holy Spirit in 2020. We had people that got married. We had people that, uh, you know, had gave birth to, to babies in, in 2020. And so for some people, 2020 was unprecedented in a great way, in a good way. But that wasn't the way that the media was portraying and, and using this word of unprecedented. And I thought, well, it's a bit like, you know, when there's a, there's a car accident. When there's a car accident, it kind of draws everybody's attention, doesn't it? You know, like when, when you have to drive past a car accident, maybe you're, you're caught up on the freeway and, you know, there's a big, you know, lineup of cars and in actual fact, the, the car accident had been cleared half an hour before. But the only reason that the cars are, are backed up is because everybody is now still driving slow, kind of like looking at the car accident as they go past, isn't it? And I kind of think that if we are a people that are just following things or looking at things, you know, that draw attention, if attention and followers and likes and all that kind of stuff is our main priority, then our life is going to end up kind of looking like a car accident. But God doesn't want that. He doesn't want the person in the car accident setting the tone, setting the pace. That for some, 2020 was a bit like a car accident where things went wrong, where there was destruction and there was chaos. But why would we call that unprecedented and why would we want to follow that? Just because it's new, just because it's different, just because it was something terrible that happened. Plus, in my Bible, it says this in Ecclesiastes 1, 9 to 11, it says, Whatever has happened before will happen again. Whatever has been done before will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. There isn't anything about which people can say, look, here's something new. It was already here long ago. It was here before we were. No one remembers the people of long ago. Even those who haven't been born yet won't be remembered by those who will be born after them. And so if we allow this car accident to happen just because it's going to draw people's attention, even that, the Bible says, is going to be forgotten. So don't allow things that just draw attention to set the tone, to set the pace. Don't let that set the precedence. Because even all those things that happened in 2020 that everyone labeled as unprecedented, probably weren't all that unprecedented. So yes, the fires in January were exceedingly bad. They killed 34 people and burnt 46 
million acres. But they weren't unprecedented because just 11 years before, the Black Saturday bushfires killed 173 people just in Victoria. And yes, the the pandemic was bad and is still bad and has killed 2.2 million people so far. But back in 1931, a flood in China killed 4 million people in a single event. And the 1918 flu killed up to 400 million, million people. One estimate was that by the end of uh, coronavirus, by the time you know the vaccine is out and everything uh, has gone back to normal, if there is going to be such a thing, the cost to the global economy will have been $8.1 trillion. And yet, in July of 2015, in just a three-week period, just on the Chinese stock market, $3 trillion was lost just because of a stock market crash. So yes, terrible things, but not actually unprecedented. So maybe the Bible is actually true when it says that there is nothing new under the sun. So if there is nothing new under the sun, if there is nothing new, if, if, if nothing here on earth is actually unprecedented, if nothing is setting the precedence for us to follow, then maybe if we're looking for something to follow, if we as society, if we as humanity need something or someone to follow, maybe we need to stop looking under the sun. Maybe we need to look beyond. And indeed, that is the word that God, I believe, gave me for us as a church this year, that we need to start looking, living, dreaming, and asking beyond. Not looking to situations and circumstances, not looking to things to set precedences, not looking to just that which is new, but actually looking to Him who is true, who is truth. That we need to look beyond the here and now, that we need to look beyond the solar system, beyond the galaxies, to something bigger, to something greater, to something more majestic, more beautiful, who is beyond precedence. But there is only one of whom fits that description. There is only one who himself is unprecedented and who wants to set the precedence for our lives. And that is Jesus. So I believe that that is God's word for us for this year. And our key verse for this year is Ephesians 3.20 as Belinda said, which says, Glory to God who is able to do far beyond that which we could ask or imagine by His power at work within us. Not our power, not the power that comes from followers or likes or the, the power of influence that comes from a car crash that we're just driving by. 
but His Holy Spirit's working power in our life. Because last year, when I got this word, it kind of seemed like every day I was having to, I said to people a few different times, I said, I felt like I was in a relationship with Stephen Marshall because I was listening to him more than I was listening to my own wife. Because every day, you know, there was reports coming out of different things and, you know, there's these restrictions in now and, you know, obviously we were, we were trying to run conferences and different things and we had speakers coming from, uh, you know, from New South Wales and we had speakers coming from Victoria and so, you know, we were trying to plan this and plan that and, of course, then this border shut and then, you know, two days before that event, this border shut and then, you know, the church had to shut and it was like, it was like I was looking to the government every day to tell me how to run the church for them to set the precedence for me to follow and I'm not discounting the government they did what they had to do they have done a fantastic job in keeping us safe here in Australia but it kind of highlighted to me that sometimes it's not even just the pandemic that I allow to set the pace or set the agenda within the church. That sometimes I would look to the amount of money that we would have in our bank balance. Or I would look to the number of people and leaders and resources that we had, you know, within the church in order for me to say yes or no to something. That I was allowing what we had in the physical to set the precedence, to set the agenda, rather than looking beyond the physical to actually what God is saying, to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in our lives. And this is when He gave me the word beyond, that we need to look beyond. You see, if we're going to bring about that glory of God that it speaks about in that verse, then we need to run our programs, our churches, everything, not based on numbers or bank balances, not even based on what we can ask or dream of, because He can go beyond even that. So this morning we start this four-part series delving more into what it means to ask, to dream, to go, to look, to live in that place of beyond. And so today I want to talk about three practical ways that God is asking us as a church community to ask and dream beyond in accordance with that scripture. So, the first one, number one, that we need to live lives beyond just what the Bible says to what the Bible teaches. And as great as it is to be able to recite scripture, if you're someone that memorizes scripture, I would rather one person that can live out what the Scripture says than a thousand who can just recite it. 
Because the Spirit, the Word, the Spirit of the living God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And His Word is alive within us. And so His Word is not just to be recited. It's not just to be memorized. His Word is to be lived out. And so this is why then, next month, we are starting our very own Lifehouse College. So this is a fully accredited uh, diploma level, university level uh, degree that, uh, that people can get right here uh, in Murray Bridge, right here in Lifehouse, at Lifehouse. And again, the board have been encouraging me for many years to do this because they know that this is my passion, that my passion is to train the next generation of leaders, to train the next generation of pastors. But with everything else that I've got to do, I felt like that was beyond me, that I didn't have the time and the space and the effort and the energy to be able to do that by myself. And so even though I wasn't asking, God was answering. Because what happened was, throughout the course of last year, as we were growing deeper, wider and stronger, some restructuring things happened. And it meant that Jake and Holly and the team are now overseeing both youth groups, both on a Friday night and a Sunday night which has then freed uh, Tash up to become our associate pastor, which means that now she has time to uh, help out and, and work alongside me in the college. And also, even though, again, I wasn't asking, it wasn't on my radar, Mitchell, who had gone through our internship program three years ago, but who is continuing to study and who this year will uh, graduate with a Bachelor of Theology. He was actually employed uh, a couple of days a week by Alpha Crucis, which is our, our uh, overarching accrediting body through which we're offering the course. And so he became a, uh, a marker and now a lecturer uh, directly with Alpha Crucis. And so then we have now been able to uh, bring him on uh, to staff to be able to run and facilitate that college. And so, as I said, I wasn't even asking, but God is able to do far beyond what we can ask or dream or imagine. And so already... I'm starting to, to dream and ask that this college would not just be a college for our, the people in our church to equip and resource our church, but I'm actually praying and believing that this is going to be a regional hub to equip and train pastors from different denominations across this entire region that is going to grow the kingdom of God beyond just our four walls and beyond just our denomination. So secondly, I know that with all this COVID stuff and now the vaccine that there's been a lot of fears 
around the future. And I'm not here to fight against your fears, but I do believe this morning that God is calling us to go beyond fear into faith. And this week I was sharing with someone, someone came into my office and they've been struggling, you know, with some addiction issues. And they said, well, Josh, how do you live your life in such a way that you don't struggle with those things? That you don't have those fears and those anxieties and those worries? Tell me what you do and then, you know, I'll kind of, I'll do that. And I said to the person, I have fears the same as everybody else. I'm still a human being. I, I have fears. I have worries. I have anxieties. It's not that the moment that I became a Christian that all of those things were just eliminated and I never, ever feel fear again. I said... What happens when I start to to feel fear, though, when I start to feel anxious, is that I'm just able, because I've, you know, served in, uh, you know, doing our prayer healing program that we offer here and Freedom in Christ that we offer here, I've actually been able to see firsthand the way that the enemy works, the way that the enemy speaks to people. He speaks his lies to people. And because it's kind of easier, you all know that it's easier to see stuff in someone else rather than yourself. So because I got to see the ways that the enemy was working in other people, all of a sudden I knew that, well, when I hear that, when I think that, when I start to feel that about myself, all of a sudden I know that it's not true, that it's not what God says about me. And I can start to eject the tape. You know the tape? You've, you've all heard the tape. What, what's on the tape might be slightly different for each of you, but you've all heard that tape and it just plays on repeat, doesn't it? You're no good. You're unlovable. You'll always be alone. You always, whatever the tape is for you, and it just plays on repeat, doesn't it? And I can't stop that tape. Maybe this side of heaven, I'm never going to be in a place where I never feel fear again. But I don't have to eliminate fear because I can go beyond fear into faith. I don't have to stop that tape from ever playing because I know that as soon as that tape does start to play, that that's not the tape that God speaks over my life and I can eject that tape and put in His tape that says, I am loved, that I am accepted, that I am a child of God and allow that to play on repeat over my life. So we go beyond fear into faith. And so two weeks ago, the team from Cambodia contacted me and asked me to pray about a second building for a second school, for a training facility. And if I'm being honest with you, fear was my immediate response. How am I going to pay for that? But then I realized, no... This is actually 
of God. That I started to eject that type of fear. I started to eject that thing that was just looking to the here and now, to the resources that we have, and how, how could we ever, as one local church, be the sole provider for not just one school for street kids, but two. But the moment that faith kicked in, the moment that that tape started to play, the moment that I started to see beyond, I was able to see that it was of God, that it was part of the providence of God. And so I was able to say to them, yes, go ahead. And I wasn't obligating our church to saying that we are, you know, 100% going to pay for all of this. But I was able to say yes because I knew that God was obligated to love His children. That God was obligated to, to be there and to be Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So God is able to go beyond. And so I think we've got some photos, have we? Of uh, This was just on Friday night. So now, that was two weeks ago, but uh, just this last week, they have uh, signed on, uh, on the building. It was a building that I actually stayed in five years ago. Um, have we got those photos up of the, of the uh, Cambodian place? Yes, yeah, so this is them Friday night, starting to paint already, starting to get ready. Uh, this is in the new facility. Um, so you can see there, this is on uh, level one. Level two is down there. It's actually a, uh, a four-story building that they have uh, taken over. So level one is going to be a fully functional salon where people are going to be able to come in, paying customers, and the street kids, the, the older girls uh, that had been rescued off the streets uh, you know, previously um, will be taught how to uh, do hair and uh, makeup and style and color and cut and all those things that I know nothing about. Um, they're going to be trained alongside professionals and given a career, given a, a job that they, can, that they can do. And then level two that we saw just before is going to be, uh, they're going to have the computers that we took over last time. So that uh, they're going to be taught not just kids, but some of the older uh, members of the community too, because most of the because of the Khmer Rouge and the different things that happened, most of the older members uh, of the community in Cambodia have never learnt to read and write, and so they will actually be taught. So we don't just have a school now for young kids. We don't just have a a training school for the older ones. We actually also are having a school for uh, yeah the elderly people. And they're going to be taught computer skills, and they're going to be taught how to read and write both English and Khmer uh, as we put the Khmer language onto those computers before we took them over. And then also on levels three and four, uh, six of the, uh, of the older girls are actually going to be able to live there. So these street kids uh, that uh, have not had... A, uh, a place to go, a place to stay, uh, will be housed there and uh, have a home there uh, where they can live, work and play uh, under the presence of God. 
And so, as I said, the biggest dream that I had, and even when I asked Belinda when we were about to go on one of these trips, and I said to her, what is your dream? What is your ultimate dream for what we're doing here in Cambodia? And she said that she wanted to, you know, have a school in the red light district for the street kids that are the most vulnerable of the vulnerable. And when she said that, I thought, well, that is beyond me. Just one. But who knows that God has now gone beyond the beyond and not only started one, but now started two. So we're going beyond fear into faith. And the third is that we're going beyond man's logic towards God's provision. And this is a bit of a a tricky one for me because, you know, I have my science background and, you know, I want... I want things to be logical and I want to do things that are smart and that are right and that, you know, uh, don't go out on a limb too much. Don't overcommit yourself. Don't, you know, look within what is logical, what is right. But God is a God of provision and he tells us to look beyond. And so next week, uh, we're going to apply for two different grants for an extension to the end of the building there. Uh, and our aim is, is that with these facilities that uh, we can actually, uh, I think we've got a picture, have we, of the, uh, of the potential uh, add-on that we're going to do. So this is the auditorium, this is the foyer, which has changed a little bit. Some of these rooms have changed a little bit. Uh, but we're adding on this whole space with a, a toilet block there. So part of the aim of this is that this will be the, the preschool uh, rooms with designated toilet facilities uh, just for that. Because as part of that then, what that means is as amazing as that's going to be, as a, as a great blessing that that's going to be for our preschoolers, because we kind of need to take over some of the, the preschool room for more office space, because we're already overcommitted. Uh, we already have several offices with several people in them, and now with Mitchell coming on, and we believe in faith that more people will be able to come on as staff, um, that we need more office space. But in order to create more office space... We need um, more space for our uh, junior primary, our uh, preschool, sorry, aged, aged children. But then also what that means is that uh, we may then be able to start to work through the 300 different pieces of legislation required to start a, a preschool to start a school. And so with that, it actually gives us the facilities. Currently, we would not be accredited. We would not have the opportunity to start a, uh, an actual preschool. But we're praying and believing that this might be a step towards doing that. 
And a few years ago, uh, God gave me that dream of the school. And as I was praying in these last couple of weeks, I was kind of reminded of when he first gave me that dream, you know, sort of probably two and a half years ago, gave the dream to Howard first up 10 years ago. But he, he reminded me of, again, that when he placed that dream on my heart, that again, sounds like, you know, that this is kind of my thing, this is kind of my issue. But again, my first response was fear. And my first response was, how am I going to pay for that? How am I going to pay for a school? And so I'd ask God then, how much is that going to cost for us to try to start a school? And I believe that, again, he gave me the figure $300,000. And I'm like, man, $300,000, that's way too much. At the time, if you remember, the, the church was actually in debt $200,000 for the mortgage on this place. And I thought, $300,000 is way too much. Plus, $300,000 is not even going to buy the amount of land needed to start a, a, you know, a proper school. But God was like, no, to start, it'll be $3,000. So I've learned kind of not to argue too much with God. And so he kind of said to me, to, to prove that I'm in this. He's just like, I want you to ask, I want you to pray and believe that by the end of the year, that that $200,000 debt is going to be paid off. And many of you will remember the story from those years ago, those few years ago, that I believe it was on the 29th of December, our loan was discharged and we became debt free. And so since then, you all have continued to give and so uh, into our tax-deductible uh, school fund to the point where now, two years uh, after becoming debt-free, uh, we're now in the black and we now have in our school fund, as of, as of today, $58,387.65 cents. which is amazing. And so I keep watching that bank balance. And I keep saying, okay, God, once that bank balance gets to $300,000, I'm going to start the school. And so it's been two years, almost $60,000 given, $30,000 a year. That means we're two years down. We've got eight years to go. And that's kind of one of the developers who, you know, doesn't have as much faith as me, but probably, you know, he's kind of saying that that's about the time frame that they'll be ready for the school to start. So I'm just like, yeah, we're kind of on track. But then, as I've been praying through this idea of beyond, again, God spoke to me and said, I never said to wait until you had the $300,000. I said that it would take $300,000 to start. 
And so then as I presented some of this stuff to the key leaders and different things the other week, I had some, some costings in and some different things, and uh, I was kind of uh, going on the lower end of the costings because I thought, oh, yeah, we can cut corners here and we can skip that and we can do that. And so I'll kind of make it look as appealing to the board and the key leaders as possible, and I'll say we we kind of maybe need $250,000 to do all this stuff that we need to do. And the people that were there said, that's not enough. And so it caused me to go back and kind of pray through and look at the numbers again. And as I'm, as I'm praying and as I'm working out what we would actually need if we sort of made the facility the way that we wanted to and had, the, you know, the different things and included all the different things that we wanted to, I arrived at the amount of $300,000. And God said, that's the amount that I want you to apply for the grant for. Now, logic again would suggest that I don't tell you this. Because what if I'm wrong? Why should I, why, what if I'm wrong? But I thought, I would rather be wrong and look like a fool, but have all of your prayers over the school and over the building over the next few weeks, than be right and do it all in my strength. Because if I start it, then I have to maintain it. But if he starts it, then he gets to maintain it. Plus, they might come back and kind of say, well, we'll give you 80% of the funds and you have to supply 20%. So then I'm kind of going to be asking you to be the answer to your own prayers. But I've also kind of come to this place where I kind of realize that it's not, it's not me. It's not about me. That if I, if I am wrong, then it wasn't of God in the first place. And I don't want it. So at one level, it, it is scary. At one level, I have all this fear. But at another level, I'm going beyond fear into faith because I'm just like, you all know me, you know my heart, and so it kind of, it's okay to actually put something out there and be wrong if it's wrong. And if we don't get that grant, we'll apply for another grant. And if we don't get that one, we'll apply for another one, because when God is in it, the right doors will open, and He'll do what He is going to do. And I'm always amazed at Scripture. And it, even though I've read this before a hundred times, the reality of this scripture hit me in the last couple of weeks as I've been thinking and praying about what it actually means to live beyond. And the scripture is this. It's from 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 to 22. It says, Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In Him... This is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes together. Gloriously evident. God affirms us. Not people affirms us. Not situations, not circumstances, not bank balances. God affirms us. 
making us a sure thing in Christ, putting His yes within us. By His Spirit, He stamped us with His eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what He is determined to complete. If it's His dream, He will complete it. But as I was thinking about this, I thought, some versions put it, all of God's promises are yes in Jesus. Oh, like, there's kind of a lot of promises in the Bible. I thought, I wonder how many promises there actually are in the Bible. And I tried to look it up, and the best kind of estimate that people had was that there are 8,810 promises in God's Word, and 7,487 of those are made by God to us. And the amazing part is, if we can have that passage of Scripture back up, the amazing part is, is that this passage doesn't say if you kind of do everything right. Maybe I'll give you some of the promises. Some of the little ones. It doesn't say, you know, I'll give you some of the promises that don't really matter, but I'll give the big promises to more important people, to better people. It doesn't say, if you go beyond the tithe and you attend church every week and you bake your favorite pasta cookies every week, then maybe I'll let you have some of the promises. No, it says every promise, every one of those 8,810 promises are stamped yes, not based on what you do, not based on what I do, not based on how much faith I have or how good I talk this morning, but based upon Jesus, the finished work of Jesus. No restrictions, no limits, no conditions, every promise stamped yes. So then what are you asking for? It's 8,810 promises at your disposal. And we want to ask for a car park space. God is saying, I can go beyond that. God is saying, lift your eyes up from the circumstances. Lift your eyes up to what I can do. Do you see then how now all, uh, the, the fears, the anxiety, the worry that we did feel, the rejection that we worry about, we no longer need to worry about because it's already stamped yes in Christ. 
the only thing that we need to worry about ever being denied is when we ask for something that isn't in His Word, that isn't one of His promises. That if we're asking for that boyfriend, that girlfriend, if we're asking for that, that job that's going to lead us in the wrong direction, that yes, sometimes He says, no, it's not your promises that you want to make to yourself, that you want to claim from God. But when we start with God's promises... They're automatically going to be yes in Christ. So all of a sudden, fear, worry, anxiety, all of that starts to melt away. So we're going beyond promises to the fulfillment of those promises. And here's what I want us to do. If we can have the first one up. Thanks, A-Train. These are just some of the promises. I've got eight listed here. And what I want you to do is in this situation, you're going to be you, which is good because that's who you are. And I'm going to be God. Just for this again, okay? And I'm going to answer. You're going to ask the question. All right? So can we try the first one all together? All right? Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Yes. I don't even have to listen because if it's in accordance with God's word, the answer is yes. All right? Your second one. Ready? One, two, three. Yes. Yes. Don't even have to wait. Next one, put it up. Okay, ready? Go. Yes. Next one. Yes. Next one, put it up. Go. Yes. All right, next one. Yes. You see how amazing this is? When you know that the yes is coming, when you start with the promises of God. Have we got more? Is there two more to go? Go for the next one. All right, go. Yes. Okay, last one. Yes. Yes. That's just eight. That's less than 0.1%. Of what he's going to say yes to. Let's have a look. I got just. I couldn't get all um, eight thousand on the screen, but this is just some. If we can have the next screen. And what is that stamped? A train. Yes. Yes, to all of those. He can go beyond what you can ask, and that's what you're allowed to ask for. And it's going to be yes. And I kind of, I had this sort of fancy ending to this. And, you know, I wanted it to be this, you know, big thing about all these big projects that, that God wanted to do. But God woke me up this morning. And he, he changed my whole ending to how this was going to be. Because... 
God is God and He's not about the corporate and the big and the whatever. He's about the healing of individuals. So I don't know how this is going to go, but I really felt that this was for, for someone, if not for, for all of us. He gave me this picture of what happens when I go on holidays. Then when I go on holidays, I work out how many days I'm going to be away for. Count the nights. Yeah, four nights. All right. And then what I do is I go to my wardrobe and I take the things out of my wardrobe. And basically, if I'm away for four nights, I take out four T-shirts, four pairs of jocks, four pairs of socks, put it in a bag, and I'm ready to go. That's the way that I work. Pants, I'm wearing pants. Just in case you're wondering, I generally wear pants when I go onto the airplane, so I just keep wearing those same pants. So that's, that's kind of all I do. That's how I pack. I, I work out what I need, and then I go and, and pack those things and, and put them in there. And generally, what I do is I pull out some of my old kind of t-shirts and different things. Because although most of you just see me on a Sunday and I'm, you know, wearing a button-up shirt, that's kind of not me. I'm casual and, you know, so this is kind of the shirt that I wear walking the dogs every day, you know. So that's, you know, a shirt that I bought for, you know, $3 in Bali. And then, you know, I packed, you know, this shirt which uh, my wife absolutely hates because it's got these weird things on there, so she doesn't let me wear it anymore. So, like, I pack that because no one's going to see me. I'm on holidays. It doesn't matter. But I count up the day, and so I I pack that, and I I put it in there because that's going to cover me for the trip. And I felt God say... Let the people pack the promises that they need for the year. That whatever they want to pack, any of those promises that they want to pack, that they can go, as long as it's in my word, as long as it's there and available, that they can take that and they can pack it. So if I can get the band to come up, Because what I want us to do, I believe that this was an amazing promise from God for him to say, I'll let them pack it. And I said, why, why God, do they need to, why do they need to pack? And he said, even though they don't need to wear it today, some people need to leave this place today knowing that they've got the promise of salvation with them so that when they need it, they can bring it out. That some people need to to leave today, even though they might not need it today, some people need to leave with the, the promise that He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. They need to know that they've got that with them. 
so that when they get to that place, when they get to that day, that they can pull it out and they can put that on because they're going to need that in 2021. They're going to they're gonna need that promise. They're going to need that thing. And then I'm like, but, but God, some, some of the people, they don't know all those promises. They don't know, all, they don't know what is available to them. There's, there's some people in here that are just new on their Christian journey that, that, they, that they don't actually know, you know what they're allowed to pack. And so if I, if I just say to the church that, that they can pack whatever they want, whatever they need for the journey for 2021, there's going to be some people that don't put in what they need. And they say, well, God said, well, that's okay because I'll just do what your wife does. Some people know what's coming. Because after I've packed all my dirty, worn out clothes, then my wife goes in and she puts in the pack all the the good, you know, kind of, you know, she packs my bathers just in case I'm going to need them. And, you know, she packs my best button-up shirt. Because she knows that when we get there, there might be a time where we get to go out for dinner together and that I'm going to need it. And God says, even the people that don't know all of God's Word yet, that don't know all of God's promises, I'm going to pack promises in there for them. Not just the, not just the dirty promises, not just the little promises, but I go beyond And I'm going to pack the promises today, right now, as we stand. Would you like to stand? And we're going to worship. But we're going to worship unlike we've ever worshipped before. Because what we're going to do in this time of worship is we're going to pack the promises, the beyond promises of God that we're going to need for this year. And we're going to allow God to pack the best of the best, the best promises that He has that we don't even know that we need yet because He wants to sit down and have dinner with us. He wants to commune with us throughout this year. And He doesn't want us to just go off and live life by ourselves, but He is going to pack promises into our life that we're going to need throughout this year. So can we worship church? Can we pack those promises, those promises of faith, those promises of healing, those promises of redemption? You don't know what you need yet, but God knows what you need. And He says, if it's on the shelf, if it's one of those 8,810 promises, you have the right to go into that, to that place and take that and pack it into your bag and use it and put it on right when you need it. So let's pack the promises of God, church. Let's pack them in and let's see God do something amazing and far beyond what we can ask, think, dream, hope, or even imagine in 2021. Let's worship. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.